on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 105. Just finished up week one of the NFL season, and we have a lot of questions to answer here. We're going to try to do it all. Does the NFC suck? Are we just going to get Buffalo killing Green Bay or Minnesota in the Super Bowl? We're going to talk about it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about after week one of the NFL season. It's very easy to overreact, overreact and that's what we're going to do a couple times on here. And maybe also we'll, we'll calm ourselves down a little bit too and not go too crazy with these headlines because as we've learned over the past few years, week one does not mean much, but it's definitely going to be a fun talking yes. point. And uh, for my opener... I got to go with Geno Smith, by the way. I know we're just hopping into it right yeah. there. Uh, but that game last night was awesome for him. And then, I mean, maybe it's not for you because it's the best quarterback that didn't work out for your franchise. But regardless, at this point in his career, it's good to see a guy who hasn't got an opportunity in a long time get his shot and play exceptionally well against a very good team in the Denver Broncos. Uh, Geno went 23 for 28, 195 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, and he gave us one of the best quotes that he, anybody's probably going to give us an entire year uh, in, a, in the post game. And the ESPN and, and reporter asked him, uh, or he he responded back saying they wrote me off, but I didn't write back something along Amazing. those lines. And uh, it's good to see Gino do that. And then I'm happy for him. Yeah, uh, the best thing I saw too. Young superstars, uh, great on both sides of the ball here. Micah Parsons, two sacks against Tom Brady. Justin Jefferson, nine catches for 184 and two touchdowns. And this is the favorite thing I saw because these are the guys we picked to win Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, so we're on to something here so far. It's good yeah, to we're see. off to a good start. Moving on to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. If you checked our Twitter, I put it up a, as a poll yesterday. And so if you had the chance to vote, I hope you voted on that. Uh, if you didn't get the chance to vote, make sure you check it uh, for next week and the polling weeks from there. Uh, so you can actually vote and determine who will be the player of the week. Uh, but the four guys that we put up on the poll this week, one of them was Patrick Mahomes. He went 30 for 39, 360 yards and five touchdowns in their blowout week one win against the Cardinals. Uh, we put Justin Jefferson on there. Like Skyler said, he had a great game. Nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns in that new Kevin O'Connell offense. Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers had 14 total tackles, a pick six, and a blocked extra point, uh, which if he didn't block that extra point, the game would have been over. And eventually the Steelers ended up winning that game in overtime. So I guess you can solely give that win to him in that aspect of it. And then we also had Albert Pujols on here who hit career homers 696 and 697 within this past week to give him that number four spot all time on the all time career homers list, passing up the great Alex Rodriguez and how the votes went out of 48 votes, 8.3% went to me and Skyler's offensive player of the year pick Justin Jefferson 14.6% of the votes went to Minka Fitzpatrick. 31.3% of the votes went to Albert Pujols. And the winner, with 45.8% of the votes, 
Patrick Mahomes. Skyler, who did you vote for in this? And tell me why you voted for that person. I voted for Jefferson because I felt like he was by far the best player in the NFL this week. I voted for Pujols. Uh, I think regardless of week one and all the fabulous stuff that these other three guys did, Robert Pujols is doing is something that we might not ever see again. And so I got to give the vote to big old Albert, but I think our football fans, which are the majority of our followers, they got to this one, which is understandable. Let's go ahead and move on to team reports. Bad starts for me and Skyler's teams. The Jets and the Raiders are both 0-1. Uh, tell me a little bit about that game though against the Ravens on Sunday. Yeah, uh, the Jets lost to the Ravens twenty-four to nine. I guess we'll start with the defense because they were great. Um, all the rookies did did some good stuff today. Sauce Gardner allowed, I think, one catch on five targets. Big deflection in the end zone too to save a touchdown. DJ Reed had a crazy pick and uh, had a perfect PFF rating. Uh, I think he was the number one defensive player this year, which we don't read too much into PFF. Because it's a little flawed, but still cool to see. Um, Bryce Hall came in for one play, got burnt for a touchdown. LaMarcus Joyner had a 50-yard PI and then gave up a deep touchdown to Bateman. So that was bad, really bad. But on offense, Michael Carter on 17 touches, 100 total yards. He's looking like uh, a baller for us, which is cool. And to the Brees Hall owner, sorry. But right now, uh, Michael Carter's that dude. So he's going to get the ball a little bit more. Um, all the, the receivers did pretty well. Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, um, not a lot of drops. Davis had one on third down, but it didn't really affect the game. And Flacco is just not that good. Uh, he was trying to take deep shots and it wasn't working in the first half. Uh, even though he threw the ball 60 times, that's why his, uh, yardage was up to 307, but, uh, we really need Zach Wilson back and we're not going to do much without him at the Browns next week. For the Raiders, uh, 24 to 19 loss in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Uh, I'll jump into the stats part of stuff first, and then I'll get into some analysis. The quarterback, Derek Carr, 22 for 37, 295 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions. Uh, the lead back, Josh Jacobs, we saw him more than uh, what we perhaps expected to. I think we probably thought there was going to be a bit more of a split, but Josh got pretty much all the carries and stuff like that. He had 11 total touches for 73 yards, so pretty efficient day there. Receiving side of things, Devontae was Devontae in his first game as a Raider. 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown, uh, and 17 targets too. So Derek Carr is looking at him a ton. Uh, Darren Waller, four catches for 79 yards. Brandon Bolden caught a touchdown. Uh, Hunter Renfro, only three catches for 21 yards. On the defensive side of the ball, Abram was the leading tackler. He played really well and was very decisive and in his decisive plays uh, made some correct decisions, which is good to see. Max Crosby had a big game, except for didn't get a sack at all. He was pressuring Herbert all the time and forced him out of the pocket. But of course, there was no time he'd force him out of the pocket. There'd be a guy that comes open and another big play for them. Nate Hobbs did play really good in the secondary, though. Uh, two tackles for the loss in the run game, too, which is pretty cool. Uh, as well as a big pass breakup late in the game. Uh, And more into the analysis side of things now, uh, everybody pretty much played well, except for Derek. Uh, And when you don't have a quarterback that plays well, the games are going to go too well for you. Uh, He wasn't looking to make the play. He was just, I feel like he was very, very stuck on Devontae, understandably so, uh, because he's never really had a receiver of that caliber. However, you got to be 
a little bit able to do other things. You got to look at Renfro. You got to look at Waller more. You got to be able to run out of the pocket and go make a play with yourself and on your feet uh, late in games when we need you to. And I know the Chargers have this great pass rush, uh, but Derek just did not look mobile at all, even though we know he's a good athlete. Um, Devontae, I mean, everything was perfect with him. Uh, And then on the defensive side of the ball, some injuries too that I want to talk about. Anthony Averett, uh, the corner that the Raiders signed in the offseason, he broke his thumb and is going to be out for five to six weeks, I'm pretty sure, at this point. Trayvon Merrick hurt his hip. Uh, I don't really know the severity of it, but uh, we'll see more tomorrow and as the weeks go on uh, for, or not the weeks, as the days go on, uh, on how much he's practicing and stuff like that. Denzel Perriman was out a little bit. Uh, he only had three tackles in this game, and I'm not really too sure when he he did get hurt because he didn't say on the broadcast or anything like that, but uh, we'll see how his status comes as the later in the week goes. Uh, but on the next week, we play the Cardinals in our home opener. Should smash them. If Derek plays well, we should beat this yeah. team by a lot. That's the only thing that I care about. If he plays well, Raiders will win the games. Is that simple? All right. Let's go to where's your head at now. Let's get into the fun stuff and stop talking about our own teams losing. Let's talk about the Broncos losing and Nathaniel Hackett's decision to completely milk the clock late in the game and kick a 64 yard field goal instead of having Russell Wilson make a play on fourth and five. Well, I'll talk about that stuff on Twitter last night and how much the Broncos are playing Russell Wilson and, how are you doing this stuff to make a play with the kicker when you have this guy that you're paying $250 million? Uh, but how much do you trust the Broncos? So to say, like, do you think, well, what is your aspect on this team or outlook on this team after one week? Yeah, I know we shouldn't overreact too too much from week one, but it is a rookie head coach and a new quarterback, a completely new system. And it didn't look very good. You know, obviously if they don't fumble a couple times, uh, we're completely, you know, new outlook here. They're going to beat them 31 to 17, but they did fumble and Hackett's concerning right now. You look at Minnesota with a very similar situation and they got the job done. Denver couldn't. Um, It's concerning. So uh, as of right now, I would switch Denver with Miami for that last uh, wildcard spot. There's a reason why I didn't pick Denver to be good because there's nothing that really stands out on this football team to me. I know Russ is good. I know the receiving core is decent. I know Javante Williams is good. I know their defense is good, but nothing's outstanding. There's not a single part on this team. I'm like, oh yeah, this, this group is going to dominate every single game that they play. And I think that's really going to hurt them because just being good at things doesn't really get you anywhere in the NFL. Uh, Luckily for them, they do have the Texans next week, but after that, it's going to start getting a hard schedule uh, for four games in the play. Niners, Raiders, Colts, and the Chargers before taking a couple weeks off with the Jets and the Jags. Uh, but it's got to give me a weird look there. But uh, I mean, I don't like this team. I think uh, eight and nine is a very feasible outcome out for the season. So, Manning cast was good, though. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> Let's talk about the two teams in the Super Bowl from last year that both lost in the week one matchups. I don't know how shocking the Rams loss was because they were playing a really good Bills team, but the Bengals losing to the Steelers and Joe Burrow throwing four picks is pretty crazy. Uh, but which loss scares you more, the Rams loss or the Bengals? I'm going to say the Bengals. 
I think the AFC North's going to be a lot closer than the NFC West this year. Burrow's obviously hurt again, and it looks like it's finally catching up to him. I do think both teams will make the playoffs, um, but more concerning for Cincinnati here because they're younger. They haven't dealt with adversity before. I'm also going to say the Bengals. I think the Rams are going to be just fine. Uh, This bad week by Stafford is something that he's not like – this isn't foreign territory for him. He's had bad weeks and bounced back before. I think he's going to do the same. I'm not sure who they're playing next week, uh, but they're playing the Falcons. That's who it is. Uh, and so they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine pretty much. Uh, but the Bengals, I think they're going to be fine as well. But this one is definitely more scary because you're losing to a divisional opponent at home. And that divisional opponent is not that good of a team. I know the Steelers have this great roster besides their quarterback. But when they got Mitchell Trubisky and Mitchell Trubisky's beating you, that's not a good sign. Uh, so this loss is scary for the Bengals, but don't panic. It's only week one. Next thing we got to talk about is the Chiefs and their absolute route of the Arizona Cardinals, 44-21. to 21. Talked about Patrick Mahomes and how good he was already. Is this Chiefs team a, a top three team in the NFL right now with how unclear it looks to be besides maybe the Bills and and them? I think they're number two right behind Buffalo. Uh, Mahomes quickly became comfortable with all the new weapons, something the other quarterbacks who we'll talk about later in the show haven't been able excuse me, to do yet. Um, they're going to be there right at the end. Yeah, I think you definitely have to put this Chiefs team as top three. If nobody's standing out in the NFC, uh, I think it's pretty consensus Bills number one as of today. Uh, I think power rankings probably have them as the number one team. But, I mean, this Chiefs offense is scary. And I know they lost Tyreek Hill, but there's a way that they could be better without him because of all the other guys that they have. And it's going to be the attention diversion and all that stuff. And so you not you can't just focus on those two guys and make those other guys beat you. There's four guys on this offense that can beat you at all times of Juju and MVS and CEH and Travis Kelsey and even those other guys like Sky Moore and McCole Hardman and the tight ends that they were throwing to uh, and Pacheco, the rookie running back. So mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are definitely in that top three window. I def- I think I'd say two as well, just like Skyler did. We also do have to talk about the Niners. So sorry, Niner fans, but uh, that was a rough one for them against the Bears on Sunday. It was a complete monsoon. They were playing in the Chicago Ocean. Uh, so maybe don't overreact to this one, but the question is pretty much overreacting. Are the Niners going to mm. miss the playoffs? Yeah, uh, they did play in the monsoon. So far, the NFC doesn't look very good, but it is week one. Uh you know, they've had major injuries to Kittle and Mitchell already. They can't have those late game picks in enemy territory like Trey Lance or they're going to lose a whole lot this year. Um, but we're not going to write them off yet. Yeah, we can't write this team off. Uh, I will say right now, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender at this point. Uh, Trey, I know he, again, rain game, but he did not look as good as I was, was expecting him to be. Uh, even in running, he didn't look as good. I know he had some good yardage, but not as good as I expected. And, uh, the defense late in the game did not play good either. So if Justin Fields was able to score, why wasn't Trey Lance? Okay. Biggest injury that we had over this past week was probably Dak. Yes. I'd say so. Yeah. He's out for six to eight weeks with a broken thumb. He got surgery on 
Today? Monday. I think he got it on Monday. Okay. Uh, but expected to be out six to eight weeks. I think it was Jerry Jones or somebody in the front office said that he could be back in four. Uh, but usually it's six to eight weeks for something like that. So how does Dallas survive this loss of Dak uh, in a competitive but kind of shitty NFC? They don't survive. Uh, Mike McCarthy might be a worse coach than Adam Gase at this point. Uh, Cooper Rush isn't going to do much. They're just going to be too far gone when Dak comes back. It'll be a fun 6-7 win team just for fantasy purposes only. Yeah, in this six- to eight-week period, they got some tough games. Uh, the Bengals, I think that's a loss, so that's 0-2. The Giants, after their week one win, might even be a loss as well. That game's in New York. The Commanders, maybe they win that one, maybe they don't. I'll, I'll say they, they split that two-game two part with Giants and the Commanders. So that's one and three, loss to the Rams, loss to the Eagles, and at that point you're one and five, and it's pretty tough. So, yeah, they don't survive. It's that simple. Cooper Rush isn't going to be winning any any crazy games and making crazy plays. Uh, so they don't survive. We'll see you next year, Dallas. With how the NFC has stacked up, we talked about a lot of teams already, uh, but we got to talk about it in the, in the big picture. Who are your top five teams in the NFC? We'll start at number five and we'll go one by one from there. All right. My number five team is the New Orleans Saints. I have them over Philly and San Francisco because Jameis has been amazing ever since he's been in New Orleans. Um, they're Brady's bitch. Philly's gotten a lot better, but their defense is still old. Uh, even rumors this offseason about moving on from Hurts uh, is a little shocking to me, uh, even though they made the playoffs last year. So I, I don't really trust them yet. So I'm going with New Orleans. I'm going with the Packers at five as of right now. They looked terrible last week, but we cannot overreact because this is exactly what happened to them last year. They lost 38-3 to opening week in Jacksonville against the Saints. I know that sounds very crazy. Uh but they got killed, and then they bounced back and were the number one seed. Uh, I don't think they're going to be the number one seed this year, but they're still going to be a good team led by one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers. So give me the Packers at five. What about number four? Number four, I have Tampa Bay. You can never count them out with Brady, but the O-line is horrible. Only Werfs is left from the starters last year. The defense looked great, but again, maybe Dak just sucks. We can't overreact from week one. Uh so Tampa Bay, still on the list, but a little hesitant. Number four for me is going to be the Eagles. I love this team. I mean, they got a super fun offense. I know they gave up a lot of, I thought it said runs, points to the Lions, but they scored 38 like it was nothing. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a great, not addition, but he's gonna, his improvement is going to be a great addition to this team. And we saw A.J. Brown and how good he was, and they ran the ball. They got turnovers. They played well. Give me the Eagles at four. On to number three. Number three, I have the Rams. Got killed by Buffalo, but Buffalo might be the best team by a mile right now. If they can get through the first half of the season without any more injuries and they're around six and three, they're going to be just fine. At number three, I'm going to go the Rams as well. I I think they're a great team. I think they're still a Super Bowl champs from last year. Uh, but something didn't seem right in that week one. And I know Matthew Stafford, I said earlier, will bounce back. But there's two teams that are better than them, in my opinion, right now in the NFC. On to number two. Number two, I have the Vikings. They may have some issues with the rookie head coach, but it's nothing close to what we saw from Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, so they just got to beat Green Bay one more time and not get upset. And they'll be, they'll be fine. 
Number two, I also have the Vikings. I think this offense is super, super explosive. Jetta's great game. We've talked about that multiple times already. Dalvin Cook's one of the best running backs in the league. Adam Thielen didn't have that good of a game, but he's still there. Kirk Cousins is criminally underrated, uh, except for in primetime games. But this team is very legit, and I think their offense is stellar, and their defense is solid as well. Number one, who's the best team in the NFC right now, Skyler? Maybe a shocker right now, but it's Green Bay. Rodgers is going to become comfortable with all the weapons. We've seen all the other quarterbacks do it just fine. The same thing happens year after year with Aaron Rodgers. New guys come in. Greg Jennings leads for Minnesota. Oh, it's cool. We got Randall Cobb. He makes him a star. You know, same thing when Randall Cobb leaves. Devontae, second rounder, amazing, but that becomes his favorite. He'll find his favorite weapon here at some point, and it, it, I can't count out Rodgers. It happened last year. Yeah. I'm not counting out Rodgers, but uh, maybe one's a little bit too high in my opinion. Uh, that's why I have him at five. But I'm putting the Bucks at number one. This team, this roster is way too good for me to put them anywhere lower. They got the win. I know they didn't look the greatest, but they still blew out. Even though it was a 16-point win, they still blew out the Cowboys. Uh, and Dak didn't get hurt until the end of that game, so that's not really an excuse anybody can make for them there. Their defense is good. Their offense will be good. Just maybe Brady Brady being out for 11 days, of, not practice, but just being out 11 days in general in training camp didn't help them. Get a little nice uh, job. So maybe after two, three weeks, I think this team will be settled in perfectly. And the Bucks are the best team in the NFC, in my opinion. One more thing before halftime. We got to talk about the Giants win, man. Uh, Saquon played great. Danny Dimes didn't play bad. Uh, the use of Kadarius Tony was a little interesting. I think he only got like four or five snaps total. Uh, but are we buying the Giants week one win or is it a fluke? This is going to be the high point of their season. If Saquon keeps going off, great. You know, they'll win nine games. But we all know how the story goes. I like Washington a little more. Another rookie head coach. They're going to have their issues. They didn't extend Daniel Jones for a reason. Uh, I, I'm not buying it. I'm going to say kind of. Uh, I don't think they're going to be that four-win team that I had uh, projected, but they're not going to be a playoff team. I could see seven or eight wins, and so I'm going to kind of buy them, and I think their their stock is better than what I originally projected. But, I mean, this team isn't better than any of the five teams that we talked about earlier, and it's not better than a couple teams outside of that list as well, too. So, good for the Giants in the Week 1 win, but like Skyler said, this might be the high point of this season. Yeah. Let's go to halftime. All right. Start off halftime with uh, the bad news that always starts off halftime, the NFL injury report. We talked about Dak, probably the biggest one, but maybe equally as important here, T.J. Watt. Uh, he was motioning on the sideline at his pack. He, someone mouthed it out. Uh, he tore his pack, but turns out not completely torn, not out for the year, maybe only going to miss four weeks. So that's huge for Pittsburgh. Uh, another guy from Pittsburgh, Najee Harris, foot injury, but they say he's planning on playing this week. I would be careful, though. Only 10 carries for 23 yards against Cincinnati. Uh, another reason why I didn't draft him, but still like Najee Harris. Keenan Allen from the Chargers, unlikely to play this week with the hamstring injury. Uh, there is some optimism, though, that it's not long-term. So that's tough for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Alvin Kamara with New Orleans, rib injury. Um, 
still questionable. Not a lot. They say maybe his workload will be limited, which I don't like since I drafted him in the second round. Um, but we'll see about Alvin Kamara. Still questionable. T. Higgins, receiver from Cincinnati, a concussion this week. He is just starting the five-step process for concussion protocol and still questionable. They're playing the Cowboys on Sunday. Jamal Adams, last night we saw him limping up the field after a a big hit on the quarterback, Um, and they say it's a serious quad injury. Not good for for Seattle. You know, they were riding high after the week one upset, but – I think uh, the Jets have officially won the trade. And (laughs) sorry, Jamal, uh, but that's it. And those are the big names for the injury reports. A lot of injuries, but those are the big ones. So I don't feel like we need to uh, go too in-depth yet until we see some more. Uh, So we'll move on in halftime. Up next, college football week two recap. I'll try to run through this one quickly. Alabama number one at Texas Barely escapes the upset, 20 to 19. Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers out with an injury, and Alabama takes advantage of that. Uh, Wake Forest destroys Vanderbilt. Sam Hartman is back. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but he had a a non-football injury he was dealing with. But now he's back. He looks great. I'll talk about him later. Marshall upsets number eight Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is now unranked. Terrible for the rookie head coach there. Um, and Notre Dame's not going to be doing much this year. It sucks. They don't really have a passing game, uh, so they can't come back when a team like Marshall is starting an upset. Another top 10 team, Texas A&M, loses to App State. They got completely ran over by them. Uh, tough for them. Tennessee wins in overtime at Pittsburgh, who was ranked higher. Washington State beats Wisconsin in Wisconsin by three. A big upset for the Cougars there. Um, Kentucky, number 20, wins at 12, Florida. That was one of my picks, so I like it. USC keeps rolling over Stanford, and BYU escapes the upset of Baylor in double overtime thanks to a bunch of mixed kicks, and we'll talk about it later because, of course, been on that one too. Uh, so we'll get into the Heisman watch here. Uh, just got a top five, and it's all quarterbacks again because I haven't seen uh, anything crazy from the other guys. So we'll start with number five. It is Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. 300 yards, four touchdowns at Vandy in the first game back. This guy's going to put up some crazy numbers this year, and I can't wait to see him play Clemson and some of the other top teams from uh, from the ACC. Number four is Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. Another solid week. This time, 340 yards, four touchdowns at Stanford. Number three, C.J. Stroud. 350 yards, four touchdowns at Arkansas State. He did what he needed to do against the bad team. And here we go. The top two. Number two is going to be Stetson Bennett. 300 yards, two total touchdowns at Sanford. Only played a half. So uh, nothing crazy here. Don't read into the numbers, but I like him a lot. Number one, we're sticking with Bryce Young. Only 213 passing yards against touchdown, but he was by far the best player on the field. Him scrambling around in the fourth quarter uh, helped him not get upset and ruin their season. So he's staying at the top spot. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to our pick standings, which I just put on our uh, (laughs) spreadsheet about about 30 minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, But it was a rough week for all of us. Week one is usually a rough week for most of us because we kind of don't really know what's going on uh, because we haven't really seen any of the teams play all four quarters in preseason. You don't want to wimp out on picks but also not do something stupid. It's it's tough. Yeah, so 
I also feel like this year we need to update you guys a little bit more than we did in the past years because we just put them up and then we want to talk about them. Uh, but coming in last, it is Skyler with seven out of 15 picks correct. All these are out of 15 uh, because I just discarded the Colts Indianapolis pick because we all had an Indy and it ended up being a tie, of course. Uh, after that, we have Alex, eight out of 15, so rough week for him as well. After that, it's me and Tyler. Who both <laughs> he really had wanted to be on there. Nine out of 15. Uh, and then our week one winner was Brett with 10 out of 15 picks correct. So rough week for all of us. Nothing in the teens yet. No high score. Uh, and I guess uh, hopefully we all get better in week two. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and send it back to where's your head at. All right, coming back from halftime now, we're playing a little bit of buy and sell from the top. Deal or performers. no deal. Yeah, deal or no deal, I guess. No, uh, just, and I'm from just... our top uh, <laughs> performers in fantasy as well as our lowest performers in fantasy. Uh, are we buying into, the perfor- into their performance? Uh, are we trading for them? Or do we think uh, that this is a fluke and they're just going back to normal or whatever it may be? First one. Running back one from week one, Saquon Barkley, who had 18 carries for 164 yards and a touchdown, as well as six catches for 30 yards. Monster fantasy performance. Are we buying a Saquon this year? What do you think? I'm going to sell Saquon. Uh, not that I don't trust his ability to do this again. I think he can and probably will at least once, but I don't trust the team. I'm selling the team. I'm selling his injury history. And I'm selling his highest value possibly ever in fantasy. I'm buying Saquon. I think he's legit this year. Uh, I think the injury is gone from him. I think he's good now at this point. Obviously, there's fluke stuff that can still happen. Uh, I don't think he's going to have that running back one season, uh, but an RB one, like running back number one, but an RB one season is very probable. Uh, and finishing it in that top 12 is definitely something that I can see. So I'm buying in the Saquon, especially based off of his ADP this year. Next up is Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one. I'm going to buy it. I picked him as the offensive player of the year for a reason. I think Cooper Cup's going to get hurt if Stafford keeps leading him over the middle. So I'm okay with this. I'm buying into Jefferson as well. I'm not picking him because another guy's getting hurt. I'm picking him because he <laughs> has the highest fantasy production value. And I mean, Kevin O'Connell is going to do so much to get this guy open. And when he is open, he's one of the best players in the NFL. So I'm buying it. He's going to be the wide receiver one this year. Next up, Cordero Patterson, who had 22 carries, 120 yards, uh, not two touchdowns, just a singular touchdown, as well as three catches for 16 yards for that additional PP, PPR value. Yes. Are you buying into Cordero? One of the surprises of last year, do you think he's going to do good again this year? I'm selling Cordero. For the right price, it's not bad to keep him. But I can't trust Atlanta offense in fantasy football. Yeah, I'm selling on Cordero too. I don't think he has anything higher than maybe a flex value this year. Uh, he... It's fun to watch, but Atlanta's not going to be in too many games this year, and I think that alone should be a, a tell to, hey, maybe let's, let's not buy too much into this guy's week one performance. Next up is Robbie Anderson. He was terrible last year, had a big touchdown, 
Uh, this week against the Browns, he had five catches, 102 yards, and that touchdown uh, total. Are you buying into him this year, or what do you think? I'm selling Robbie Anderson, too. He's always only been a deep threat. Uh, he'll go back and forth with a long touchdown and then nothing the next week. So, uh, you know, I jeffed him the past two years. Even his good years were frustrating. I'm buying into Robbie Anderson. I think based off of his ADP, like a 12, 13 round guy, I'm definitely buying into it. He has a chance to be a, fi- a flex play or even a low, low, low end. No, he's just a flex play. He's not a low end too. Uh, but even that, I think is very valuable. And I think he's going to get good, get a good target share from Baker, especially once that offense settles in uh, in Carolina. Next up is Mike Thomas, who is really fully healthy for the first time in three years on Sunday. He had five catches for 57 yards and two touchdowns. Are you buying into Slant Boy? I'm buying into Michael Thomas. Jameis looks good. He likes to sling it. It's a better bet than Chris Alave right now. We saw last week two touchdowns already. Yeah, I don't think Mike Thomas is a wide receiver one ceiling i think it's a wide receiver wide receiver two ceiling but i'm buying into him as well i love what he's doing he's always been really underrated because it just has that bad slant boy rap to him uh but who cares if he's running slants he had a point per reception and yeah. so i like mike next up is jahan dotson who had three catches 40 yards and two touchdowns in his debut for the commanders also buying into Jahan Dotson. It's a similar situation to Jameis's with Carson Wentz. He's always going to be throwing for a lot of yards, and uh, he might still be available in some leagues. I'm not buying into Jahan. I'm selling him. Uh, the three catches is not really something I'd like to see, and that two touchdowns is something that's obviously unsustainable, as well as Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin being the two main guys on this offense based off of their target share. I don't like Jahan. I don't like the wide receiver three for a Carson Wentz offense. I'll say that. Next up is OJ Howard, who only had two catches, but made the most of his two catches in his Houston Texan debut uh, with 38 yards and those two touchdowns. I'm selling OJ Howard here. It was a bad week for tight ends. Shouldn't overreact. You should keep your guy. The Houston offense should be taken over by Damian Pierce at some point this year. Um, Maybe until that happens, you could pick him up for free but I, I wouldn't drop your guy you invested in. OJ Howard's got a ceiling of maybe a tight end 11, a, a very low end tight end one uh, where it's serviceable for somebody to ha- say has a tight end that gets injured. But besides that, I wouldn't pick this guy up and, and be using him. I don't think there's really a lot of scenarios where you should be stashing a tight end anyways. Uh, so I'm selling on OJ Howard on to the bad performers the first guy that we got to talk about was alvin kamara who had nine carries for 39 yards and three catches for seven yards so are you buying into this poor performance or that this is kind of weird to say like the buyer yeah. self or the, the bad guys uh do you think kamara is going to turn it up or do you think this is going to be a, a similar thing for the rest of the year if you have alvin kamara you should hold on to him i have hold here not buy or sell because i have him i'm just as a Alvin Kamara owner, I'm going to try to be as honest as possible here. Jameis historically hasn't thrown to him that much, but we found out he was playing hurt this last week. He's too good to not be used at some point. We haven't seen a full season with these two together, so I'm going to hold on and wait and see because I, I still believe in him. 
Yeah, I'm not super skeptical of this low performance in week one. I know Jameis has historically not thrown to him, but these coaches are going to drill into them and say, hey, you have this guy here, let's use him. And I think especially once Jameis has a bad game and he realizes how good Alvin Kamara is, he's going to say, oh, this is really nice to have. Uh, This guy makes guys miss. He gets first downs. He makes plays for us, scores touchdowns. So I'm keeping Alvin Alvin Makara, Alvin Kamara. And I think he's going to be maybe not a a top, top RB1, but RB10 to 17 is probably where he's going to fall this year. Next up is Allen Robinson, who had a terrible year last year with the Bears, goes to the Rams on a three-year, $45 million deal, and in his first game puts up a whopping one catch for 12 yards. What do you think about A-Rob? I'm selling A-Rob here. He runs 14-yard comebackers and is great at them. But the Rams' offensive line and quarterback's arm can't handle that more than once a game. You saw he only had one catch. Similar situation in in Chicago this past year. So I can't trust him for fantasy purposes. I think he can be clutch uh, from a you know playoff push standpoint, but you don't get points for running great routes. You know, so not in fantasy. I really like Allen Robinson. Uh, I know he had a really bad year last year and he had a terrible week one, but his value is so low and they were going against such a great team last week that this performance is not going to be replicated year or not year uh, week after week. He's not going to be a guy that's the wide receiver too, uh, but I think he's got a flex value to him, uh, especially against these teams that aren't the Buffalo Bills who have great pass rushers and great cornerbacks. Uh, we got to talk about a couple guys that put up a goose egg. Uh, the first of which being Cam Akers, who had three touches for a whopping zero yards. Yeah, this one's an easy one for me. Uh, absolutely not. He was off my board in the first place because he's coming off the injury. They said Daryl Henderson would be the starter. Uh, I don't think you should even thinking about thinking about think about playing Acres until he proves you wrong. You know, it's okay to be one week late then put up another goose egg. You know. That's a good quote. You can't even be thinking about thinking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Cam Akers isn't going to do much this year. He's coming off of an Achilles injury. And if you look at previous history, always bet against the running back that just tore his Achilles. Take his backup. I wish I could have told you guys that sooner. Uh, I love Daryl Henderson. I don't love Cam Akers here. Also, Kyron Williams. They're one of their running backs Notre is Dame. on the short-term IR now, too. So uh, that's another thing to talk about. Uh, and lastly, Heisman winner Devonta Smith put up a goose egg in week one for the Eagles. What do you think? I'm going to buy Devonte Smith. He's really good, but so was Miles Sanders last week, and they used him a lot more. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a similar offensive strategy against teams that aren't Detroit here. They won't be playing them every week. So I'm going to hang on. I may be a little risky here, but I think they're going to kind of have to abandon the running game if they're down like they did last year. The Eagles are a very interesting offense. They had a weird year to start the year last year uh, where they didn't run the ball, and then they eventually led the league in rushing and had one of the best rushing seasons that they've ever had in franchise history, I think perhaps even the best. Uh, but Devonta Smith is going to get his touches eventually. I know it was all AJ Brown in week one, but 
But eventually something's going to happen and Devonta Smith is going to get more targets and there's going to, that Philly offense is going to thrive. I'll say that. And I think mm-hmm. uh, Devonta Smith, maybe, maybe not the best fantasy play all the time, uh, but a flex value is something I could definitely see. He's not on there, but right. what do you think about McCaffrey? Ooh, just like the low production yeah. that he had. Uh, I think that speaks more to the Browns front seven. And I think okay. also that first week with Baker, uh, he's going to get more touches. I know Matt Rule's a fucking idiot, but yeah. regardless, he's CMC. And if he stays healthy, maybe they were just trying to ease him in or something, but he still got a touchdown. So his value wasn't that bad. Yeah. And he helped me get a win. So maybe if I lost my fantasy matchup where I had him, I'd be talking about him a bit more. Uh, but I think he still yeah. got, what, 15 points or something like that? I think a little less, but uh, – oh, he did score a touchdown, up. actually. I've he just, did 15.7. Okay, because I had uh, Dalvin Cook with a similar amount of points, but he didn't play in the second half because he didn't have to. So I'm thinking, you know, when it comes down to it, I'd rather have my guy than McCaffrey. I'm still taking McCaffrey. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and get to our bets uh, for this week and last week. It's a weird week for me and Skyler last week because I got one of my picks right. He got one of his picks right, but we flipped them. Uh, and so my layup, I had the Niners minus seven versus Chicago. I didn't think there would be a hurricane in Chicago. Yes. And so uh, probably maybe check the weather report if they're playing outdoors uh, next time. So that's red for me. Skyler mm-hmm. had University of Kentucky. Plus five and a half at Florida. Yeah. He said it. This week I have Cincy minus eight versus Dallas. Cooper Rush sucks. I know Cincy played bad in week one. Don't overreact. This team is going to be just fine. And uh, give me Cincy minus eight. I got Green Bay minus 10 against Chicago. They're on Sunday night football. Green Bay's got something to prove. They're going to kick the crap out of Chicago. I'm starting A.J. Dillon. They're going to rent down their throats. They have to. They should. Last week for bold predictions, I had the Seahawks over the Broncos on Monday Night Football, and that indeed happened. Uh, Skyler had Baylor win at BYU. Uh, In parentheses, Skyler has fuck Baylor's kicker right next to it. He missed an extra point to go up 21-20 to at the end, and he missed a kick in overtime to win. Too bad. Yeah. This week, though, I have the Jags over the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Colts' slow start is going to continue. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a great game against the Indianapolis defense. Skyler, what do you got? I'm going to go with the Dolphins to win at Baltimore here. I don't really trust Baltimore's offense right now. And another injury to the to the left tackle. Stanley was already out. Then Jawan James comes in, tears his Achilles. So they're down oh, to their third string left tackle. Miami's defense is going to go nuts. I, I think both last the defenses year in that game are going to have a good game. Yeah. That was the Robert Hunt game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the Dolphins won like seven in a row and still missed Jabon the Javon had a sack on Lamar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for episode 105. Uh, next week, week two recap. More football uh, for college and the NFL, of course. Uh, maybe some baseballs we get a little bit closer to the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Perfect. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Go all the young players on the Jets.
Not the old ones, though. What? Okay. What? Bye.